Just gonna run this dog to see if we can find any type of uh, human remains that are left. Listen to Where Secrets Go to Die, The Disappearance of Derek Hennigan. From the Detroit Free Press, a new podcast set in the woods of Michigan's Upper Peninsula. Available on Apple, Spotify, Freep.com, or wherever you get your podcasts. From the sports desk of the Lubbock Avalanche Journal and RedRaiders.com, here's your look at all things Texas Tech sports. Now, here's the Red Raider Podcast. And hello, everyone, for another edition of the Red Raider Podcast. I'm Carlos Silva from the Lubbock Avalanche Journal, the sports editor of the newspaper, bringing you another edition of the Red Raider Podcast. And since it's Monday, the beginning of the week, that means we're talking to David Collier, sports director at KMAC, Red Raider Nation. You can watch him on TV, watch his pretty face in a suit and tie and all that other stuff. And then, of course, we've also got Ryan King, who works for KLBK. Sports director there covers high schools, LCU, all the other stuff. There, you can watch him on TV and talk. He has a face too. Haircut. Feel free, David. I'm just try again, trying to filter right now on a podcast because for some reason, and I'm sure this uh, w- won't shock both of you, it's not very difficult to fill 30 minutes with Don Williams. It's been difficult for some reason for us three to fill 30 minutes. So, I believe in us. Well, I think. Good. The three of us combined are about the age of Don. I think that's what it has to do with it. That's also fair, too. That is also a fair assessment. But uh, speaking of Don, I know he wrote a column about the, uh, the the culture trying to be changed. We'll talk a little bit about that. Talk a little bit about Alan Bowman, his injury, how that affected Texas Tech in a loss to Kansas State. Another close one where Texas Tech had a lead and wasn't able to hang on to it. Um, of course, uh, there were also some other interesting factors that happened throughout the Big 12 that we may chat about as well. But I think the, the number one thing, uh, Ryan, that we need to chat about, and I know you've brought it up, it's been a question asked. I know Alan Bowman had mentioned it during a preseason Zoom, but his number one priority was staying healthy. And unfortunately, that uh, lasted up until Kansas State when, again, just an unfortunate series of, of events that has happened to him where you get tackled between two tackles, you break your collarbone, and now on uh, last Saturday in Manhattan, Kansas, the Little Apple, Ellen Bowman was rolled up on his right uh, ankle. Uh, we, we got that confirmed by uh, Coach Wells earlier this morning that that is the injury. But the one important thing is it, he did say that there were uh, nothing's broke, nothing's fractured, basically day-to-day, which is certainly a positive for Alan Bowman. But uh, just, Ryan, uh, obviously the j- j- just your thoughts what, when you did see Alan Bowman go down. Man, I'm sure my thoughts are the same as every Texas Tech fan out there. You don't want to get too much into it because it is like we don't know the all the medical sides of everything Correct. and how his body, you know, uh, reacts to this and whatnot. But it did feel like, oh, here we go again. Like, of, of course, you knew at some point this was going to happen. I believe Arizona what, was the third game last year. Yep. And now this game is the third game this year. It's like, it feels like he can't get into a rhythm, get into the season. Call it bad luck, call him injury prone, whatever you want to say. It just feels like, man – I if he, if he misses an extended amount, say not even the whole season, say he misses three to four games, it's getting to that point how can you trust him going forward or can he even trust himself that he's not going to be able to get into a rhythm of five, six, seven, and next year when we're back to 12 games, can he get into those rhythms? So I'm sure everyone's thought process was, oh, this was just a matter of time. And whether that's fair or not to him, it is starting to feel that way that it's just going to be a matter of time that maybe he's not able to stay healthy for a whole season. 
David, in terms of getting into a rhythm, do you kind of feel like that's something for Allen? Because, I mean, he going into that game, he was a Big 12 leader with 1,092 passing yards, and that was ahead of Sam Ellinger, who was at 688. Now, granted, depending on who you are, you have more games played than others, but the fact that uh, Ryan is mentioning the rhythm, do, do you feel like maybe it's just a mental thing more than rhythm? Well, I think he certainly needed to get in a better rhythm. I mean, let's be honest. We've mentioned the interceptions that he's thrown. Yeah. Just to go back on the injury, I, I for one, am not at the, oh, here we go again. That one right there compared to all of the other injuries, when he re-injured himself against Oklahoma running the football, that's a play where anybody can get injured. He got hit those other two times. This one was a, a basically a cheap dive at the knees. I a little mean, tough, yeah. I mean, it's a, it's a difficult situation, which if that happened to any other quarterback planting the way they are, I think that's going to hurt a lot of people out there. That's just an unfortunate uh, incident for him. And obviously I know that he's been injury prone, but for him, I think that situation just stinks because you can't really get into a rhythm when a guy's diving at your knees. Um, yeah, I mean, he needed to get into a rhythm. They needed him offensively to get him to a rhythm. Unfortunately, like Ryan mentioned, if you've got Columbia that comes in and he seemed like he picked it up right away, yeah. it's hard if, if Allen isn't 100% to think that you want to go back to somebody that's still trying to find a rhythm. And, and it's interesting both of you guys mentioned this rhythm thing because I know everyone's going to talk about the fact that they lost, the fact that, oh, you lost your starting quarterback. But when you really look at it, and again, it's a very small sample size because of uh, when he was injured, I want to say it was like maybe 10 plays in, but but it was a, a very small amount um, when it did happen in that first quarter. But it didn't look like the offense was as in sync as it was in the last couple games when – I know, David, you mentioned this. David Yost knows how to script a game. It just didn't look like they were as crisp and as sharp as they normally were when they were scripting those things. And then all of a sudden, as you alluded to, Henry Columbia comes in. Yes, he has that – added factor of running a little bit quicker than maybe Alan Bowman is not staying in the pocket because Alan just is such an accurate passer. I, I think people forget that. I mean, there are some footballs that he has thrown that you can only watch and be wonder what did he see or how did he get it there because of the timing and uh, kind of that rhythm is uh, Ryan had talked about, but I, I think the one important thing to think of this year is that I don't think there's going to be that much of an adjustment period now for Henry Columbia, even though you only have Sir Roderick Thompson, but Xavier White stepped up, so you had a running game that certainly helped him where he didn't have to kind of put it all on his on his two shoulders. And number two, he had some experience being in the offense with David Yost and Matt Wells when he was at Utah State, and those two were also with the Aggies. So I think that helped as well. But I guess, Ryan, from your perspective, what, what did you see from Henry early on? Because I know Matt Wells had mentioned there was that adjustment period, and there were certainly some throws where maybe he probably – what, what, what was a little antsy, which you could tell. But I think after, I don't know, I want to say maybe that third quarter was when he really, really kind of got things going. That's what's funny is I don't know if it's fair to just compare him to Alan Bowman because it is so early. Like, Columbia hasn't even played a whole game. He hasn't come into the week as the one. So we'll see over time. But when you just look at uh, Columbia like you're asking, it did feel, and maybe it was just because the team started to make adjustments, uh, the offense saw what K-State was giving them, but it felt like once Columbia came in, maybe not immediately, but honestly pretty quickly from what I was watching that it looked like this offense started clicking. It looked like he had a 
it looked like he was had been in this office before. Obviously, he was at Utah State. It looked like he was comfortable in it. He was making those plays. He looked like a guy who's been the one most of the week and was expecting to play, which, you know, good on him for staying ready for those type of uh, experiences. But I, I was honestly really impressed. It didn't feel like, oh, a backup came in. Oh, they're not going to be as good. I thought they were just as good, if not better, with him as the game, him in the game as Alan Bowman. And they didn't really take a step back. So I was really impressed by the guy. Um, and to me, I know we'll probably talk about the late game collapse and all that, which it still was, I mean, you know, like, let's be fair here. They were only up once and it was a four point, you know, they were up by four in the fourth. It's not like it was a 15 point game. So it's not as similar to Texas. I was more worried about getting shut out in the first half and trailing 14 to nothing halfway through the third quarter. To me, that was a bigger deal than being up by four and losing. I mean, that's very doable. Four point game. You can lose that. I mean, that's especially with, I think it was what, 10, 11 minutes to go in the game. Um, mm-hmm. I was more worried that it took the offense so long to get going. And they honestly, in my opinion, you guys could disagree. I don't know. I thought they were lucky to only be down 14, nothing halfway through the third quarter. It just felt like they were getting nothing going, uh, missing field goals. Like if, if you make those, if you make those as bad as they're playing, it's an eight point game, but my goodness, they were down. They could not, it just feels like they couldn't quite punch it in. Like I said, halfway through the third to be down two scores. And I thought they were even fortunate to be down just that. See, and I'm not, I don't think that's fair offensively to say that they weren't necessarily getting anything going. Cause you mentioned it there. I mean, what they miss a field goal on that first drive that Columbia's in there. You can't really blame him for that situation. I thought he handled himself decently there. Again, I know they came away with no points there, but I think that get falls back on a completely different issue that Matt Wells uh, discussed in special teams and trying to get, uh, Wolf right in the head and mechanically leading into this Iowa State game. I, it gets to the point where, you know, you have to be able to rely on your kicker to get some points here and there. You can't score a touchdown every single time, as we found out there in that first half. But I was, I was really impressed with him. I mean, a lot of side-to-side stuff, but I think part of the whole thing was we, we mentioned that – or at least they mentioned in the press conference, all these freshmen getting in there and playing so much. He's probably worked with most of those guys in practice, right? I mean, he's probably used to throwing it to uh, a Holcomb or Price more so than Alan Bowman has been over the uh, yeah. the duration of any practices. So I think he once he settled in – I thought he settled in pretty quickly. I know it didn't turn into points early on, but, I mean, he's also out there for the first time in a Big 12 game. And I do agree. They hit those field goals. Yeah, it's an eight-point game. It does feel different. But for an, an offense this explosive, I, I just don't buy. Well, if he makes those two field goals, it looks like we're, uh, we're really, you know, playing well. It's like two field goals. Okay, even if it's 14 to six halfway through the third quarter, you can still make the argument, why have they not – like, that's still not much. I didn't say playing well. I said you're getting points out of it that yeah. you really can't help if you're the offense. And I, and I agree with that. The, the one other thing I would say, and I, you guys, I think Collier kind of touched on it, um, and it reminded me when I was watching the game live, didn't it feel like the offense was more – I don't know if I would – I don't know if I want to use the word dynamic. It felt like there were more options when Columbia got out there. He would run it. He would give it to Xavier. He would throw to different guys when it fe- – and I didn't notice this with Allen, that it, fe- it feels like it's the same couple of guys getting it over and over. With Columbia, it just felt like, oh, wow, a lot of different, different guys are getting involved. Did you feel that, Carlos? Did, it just felt to me like a lot of guys were getting involved in the offense once he came in. Well, here's the thing, and I think uh, David really made a 
Big point. I mean, when you're that second or third string guy, you're going to be throwing it to the second and string other guys. So you're going to have that chemistry with them, which is why you saw Travis Coons get, if I'm not, <laughs> excuse me, if I'm not mistaken, about 39 yards. You saw John Holcomb, even though he dropped a couple passes, get some stuff. You saw Miles Price get in there. But the other important thing, and, and I think, uh, I know there's going to be a lot of praise kind of heaped on. Columbia because he's the quarterback, but Xavier White stepping up, so Roderick Thompson playing like he has so far certainly helps him because last year there were times where you did need a guy that could be your running back, and that was a Jet Duffy. He was your leading rusher most of those games, and when your leading rusher is your quarterback, never a good thing because then that means that the box can get set up for you. That means that there's probably not going to be much to be throwing to, which is usually what happened most of the time, and they had to play those Crazy, ugly games, as people remember last year. I know Matt Wells brought it up earlier today, but six to three at halftime. The thing that really impressed me, and uh, I know you're going to harp on the offense. I'm going to probably mention the defense. They only gave up, uh, or pardon me, uh, yeah, gave up. I'm trying to look up the stats because this is a podcast, and I probably should have had this up before. But as Texas Tech only scored 21 points in that second half, they only gave up 17 to Kansas State. So, again, if you're able to make some more plays, and, again, it's just going to be a broken record that it seems that Don and I are going to have to keep on repeating, but it takes a little bit of time to realize that they are very close to not necessarily blowing these things away, but they're very close to, one, they're keeping things competitive, which is something you can say you can't say happened in previous regimes, it was either all or nothing and you're losing by 20 or 15 points. Now, I think the big pain point and frustration, and I brought this up with Texas, minus that last, uh, the, the, the last touchdown, same thing with Kansas State, yeah, it was a 10-point loss, but that game was close. And that's the frustrating part, I think, for fans right now is that it's been close. It hasn't been one of these kind of like what David had mentioned last week. Oh, we were supposed to lose by 20. We only lost by 14. It's okay. You know, it's not a acceptable thing. Now it's people are heightening their expectations. And I think that is the, the biggest pain point right now that Wells is trying to either temper or just try to allow fans a little bit of insight into his program is that they are really trying to change a culture. Like, Don had mentioned today, and I think it's very difficult to change culture where Matt Wells was very, uh, very matter of factly, and you guys can kind of mention it, Ryan, if you want to, or David, if you want to, but he was very, very quick to say 10 years of all this where you go to a bowl game, sometimes you don't, sometimes you have a winning season, sometimes you don't, you have to get that consistency. And I know obviously it's difficult to see that right now. Everyone can point to baseball and basketball. Again, you have to remember those are smaller rosters. It's a little bit easier to get more talent uh, in, in certain in certain respects. Basketball, you only need two or three guys to where you can kind of get some momentum. You, you have that one good year, and then all of a sudden you get these three great recruiting classes. Same thing goes for Texas Tech. Matt Wells was very, very quick to say some of their freshmen in their first class are starting to kind of show that they're pretty good at Jalen Polk, Miles Price, you look at some of those guys, you look at some of the transfers that they've gotten. Xavier White, Eric Monroe is someone that I know they've been talked about, but I, I certainly think that's a play that um, if he doesn't go for the strip, maybe you don't have that big 66-yard play and maybe things change. Again, small little things, but David, I guess just back to the point at hand before I started to, to mumble and kind of talk a lot, but just in terms of 
what happened with uh, Texas Tech. I think, and maybe you can back me up or kind of disagree with this, but I think they are getting close, and I think they're going to get some wins that people aren't expecting because, and I know Ryan has mentioned this on Twitter a couple times, the Big 12 is not what it's normally been. And that's not to disparage the Big 12, but it's not as potent. And maybe the top-tier teams, as I say that with air quotes right now, are not as good as they've been in recent years. And there are chances where some teams like a solid team that plays good defense, plays good special teams, doesn't turn the ball over, a.k.a. Kansas State, Iowa State, can get some wins against an Oklahoma or a Texas yeah, I think that's probably the frustrating part in this. As you go into this game, you kind of want to break from those type of teams, right? And you, and you get that chance again here against an Iowa State team that plays very similar to Kansas State. And if anything, maybe you you get the opportunity to see if you can progress from one step to the next, uh, kind of via the same thing with the Texas to the Kansas State. Clearly, they didn't get the win, but uh, – yeah, Iowa State poses a different problem. But I agree. The rest of the conference, who's to say you can't throw all over Oklahoma? The question is, can you you buckle up defensively against them and shut them down? They they certainly seem like a team that's right for, for the picking as far as offensively. They can't really move the football on the ground at all. Spencer Rattler's probably up there ahead of Alan Bowman now with interceptions. Can't really uh, tackle. Yeah, they can't tackle. I mean, that seems like a good opportunity for a team that maybe isn't as disciplined as those other ones. And then uh, you, you never know against West Virginia. I mean, the, the fact that that one's at home, maybe you can get something like that. But, yeah, it's certainly down. There's no doubt about it. And I, and I, I saw somebody on social media today. Oh, I think it was Gary Patterson actually said the fact that I hate the notion that the conference is down when Texas and Oklahoma isn't good. Well, yeah. I mean – to be fair, he's beaten Texas, what, seven out of the last nine years. So, of course, he's going to say that. But uh, I think we all agree they the conference looks kind of down. It, it looks down. Also the, loss to Louis, those losses to Louisiana and Arkansas State and whatnot, those, uh, that doesn't really make the conference look too good either. <laughs> yeah, well, well, and those are the best, two, maybe the best two teams in the conference right now besides TCU. Obviously, Oklahoma State, but they almost lost to Tulsa. Yep. Yeah. And, and I think uh, the, the thing to kind of keep in mind is I think, I don't know if it's a national perception or just someone says it nationally and then people just believe it. But I think the fact that there aren't these crazy minus the Texas game, the Texas, Texas tech game where it went to almost 90 to 80, I think the big 12 is starting to figure out how to slow down these high powered offenses, or maybe these high powered offenses don't have as much, uh, talent as it normally has had in previous years. And let's, and let's also throw this. I, I know it, it seems to be a topic that people don't like to, to talk about, but I mean, this current pandemic, there are certain things about not being able to play with the same guys or having guys come in and out that, that there are certain things that you will notice where sometimes there's going to be a perfect fit where again, like we mentioned before, Henry Columbia comes in, He's going to throw it to the guys that he's used to. Miles Price got his first touchdown. John Holcomb started getting into the offense. I, I, that, that was the one thing I kind of mentioned to Don during the game was, hey, the, the tight ends are starting to actually get some play, you know. And uh, Matt Wells had mentioned, yeah, John Holcomb probably hasn't been as great on the outside as he thought he was, but they're using him on the inside. He's he's a good blocker when need be. So that, that they're finding ways to get these guys in, and I think that's going to be the – 
the, the, the most important factor to kind of remember is that Matt Wells is not able to get this quick fix to where he can get these great, great guys to kind of fill in all these holes. It's just you're going to have to maybe wait for a couple years before these freshmen turn into these juniors, kind of like a Charlie Kohler, uh, kind of going back to Iowa State and who they're playing this weekend. But you're going to have to develop these guys. They, they showed it last year with Jordan Brooks. They're going to probably show it this year with Jack Anderson. Maybe Rico Jeffers will be part of that list. Xavier White is certainly someone that's shown some development because he didn't have the numbers transferring from Dodge City, but now all of a sudden you see him as a number two back that can certainly uh, give Sir Roderick Thompson a rest rather than him having to carry about the ball 20 to 25 times, which is certainly a, a positive. But um, just to kind of wrap things up for that Kansas State game, obviously a tough one for Texas Tech. They had it not necessarily in the bag, but they certainly did enough to at least – take the lead for one time in the game. So again, they've proven they have the guys to play. I think there's confidence from the guys in the locker room that realize, okay, we've got the guys to play. We can play well. It's just a matter of we, one, have to quit making mistakes. Again, Eric Monroe trying to go for a strip instead of a tackle and maybe live to play another down, as Matt Wells mentioned post game uh, from there. Uh, making some field goals, again, whether it's 14 to six or seven to six, however you want to do the math, it's still six points off the board. Uh, or not only that, but just confidence knowing that you can go and send your kicker out when you're out from the 30 or 40 yard line. You know, you can get some points. That's certainly uh, something that'll affect the way the game plan or just play calls are called. Um, and then again, I feel like the defense is really kind of being missed out on. I know we ask about it, but I certainly think it's getting better. And that's something Matt Campbell, when I asked them today during the teleconference, was what what's something you've noticed about Texas Tech, even though you probably haven't watched much tape. But he said, from what he's seen, Texas Tech has gotten better every week. Now, granted, as he said, it doesn't show from a giving up points and giving up a yard standpoint, but he says there are certain things that you can see as a coach that have shown that they are improving. And I think if you're watching games, you can see it, and it's frustrating, but they are getting better, David. Yeah, I mean, and you look at, you know, you got to remember, you're working all, it's the same thing with, with the offense, you know, you work in a new quarterback mid-game, you're also working in all these new faces, Colin Schooler slowly getting in there. Yeah. Uh, I mean, if you look at the leading tacklers, there's what, like four or five guys on there that weren't playing here last year, or certainly didn't have any significant playing time. Uh, I think I think they're playing better now. I will say they also were going against a backup quarterback that, uh, had little to no experience. And I think Skylar Thompson changes that game drastically for Kansas State offensively. But, I mean, you still play the hand you're dealt. And I think I think that they have looked better. I mean, you got Jacob Morgenstern in there. And I don't know that any of us, you know, thought that he was going to be somebody that saw as much playing time or maybe just a guy that, that was there too. Neither did Duke. Yeah, exactly. Right. So, I mean, there, there's some positives there. I, I certainly think the defense is not necessarily bad. I'll just put it that I know that sounds horrible to say it that way, yes. but I mean, you, you understand what I'm saying. Yeah, It gets stops. Like that's the thing. And I think Wells and uh, coach Keith Patterson, the defensive coordinator have mentioned this. You have to look at different metrics when you're looking at the big 12, because you know, you're going to get scored on as Texas and Texas tech showed, but you have to find, different ways to measure success. And I think Matt Wells has mentioned it and I'm trying to remember, and I apologize if I get some of these wrong, but third down stops was one. Um, I'm trying to remember the other one right now, but I think another one is just uh, 
man, I can't remember the other one right now, but stops, um, just overall stops. And by stops, I mean like if you get them to miss a field goal, uh, third down percentage, a stop percentage on the opposition. And those were the two that I can remember. I, I know he said it before, and I, I apologize because I can't remember it off the top of my head. But, uh, Ryan, just from your perspective, just to kind of put a wrap on Kansas State before we talk a little bit about Iowa State, um, what are some of your takeaways from it? The fact that they were very close to potentially getting their first big road win, and then all of a sudden uh, you just kind of watch uh, Deuce Vaughn running, running for the touchdown at the end of that one. My positives were stuff we, we touched on as far as Columbia looking good, Xavier White. I thought a lot of guys really stepped up that hopefully for this team can take more steps in the coming weeks. If that's the case, then this team will be in good shape. If they, if they can have five, six, seven, eight offensive weapons that can show up at any moment, that's going to be better than just two or three, which felt like in the first couple games. Um, so that to me is the main positive. And it showed late that we can talk about how the offense didn't get going, but then they scored three touchdowns and yeah. – a quarter of action basically or less yeah. than that. Like they really got clicking showing they have that potential, but the negative, you can't start slow. You start slow against Iowa state. You're not coming back. Like, I'm sorry that that Iowa state team is too well coached. They're too well disciplined. Matt Campbell and company are not going to get up 17, nothing 21 to six, whatever, and lose a football game. Um, they are a solid squad that in my opinion, probably the best team tech has played so far. Um, it will be Iowa State this upcoming weekend. So would be a massive win if they could get it, especially on the road. Um, but from Kansas State, you can't have those type of mistakes as far as getting down early. In terms of Iowa State, obviously both of you know that they got a win over Oklahoma. Um, tough one there for Oklahoma is Brees Hall. Kind of almost did the same thing that Deuce Vaughn did to Texas Tech, except he had the, the go-ahead. Deuce Vaughn just basically put the cosmetic score to make it 10 compared to three. Um in terms of what Iowa State was able to do to Oklahoma, I know David mentioned they, they couldn't tackle much. Um, Ryan, from your perspective, uh, was Spencer Rattler just, for lack of a better term and a, a joke, was he rattled? Uh, it's not Spencer Rattler. W watching these games, uh, yeah, I mean, he, he looks more like a freshman than I thought he would, at least at least a redshirt freshman. He, uh, he's thrown some picks that were bad. The one thing – okay, here's the one negative I'll say about Spencer Rattler. He he does get rattled, like you said, in the pocket pretty quickly. He will hike the ball. Freshman. I, no, I know. It's, uh, I totally understand. <laughs> totally understand. He will hike the ball. If his first read is not there, his feet start moving. He's looking to run uh, quicker than most quarterbacks. But he's not the problem. Trust me. OU's offensive line is terrible. OU's defense is OU's defense that has actually has no leaders on it like Kenneth Murray, so they're even worse. Uh, they have some guys out for suspension and whatnot, but that's not the issue. There's no playmakers or receiver, and the O-line is terrible. But Iowa State still did not play very well and won the game. So this isn't just a Iowa State played really well, OU played bad, they got the win. Iowa State was not playing great. So this is still an Iowa State squad that if they, if they really lock in, I absolutely think they could win the Big 12. And they and Iowa State, or they and Oklahoma State, I guess you could argue, might be in the, the driver's seat right now. I don't know if yeah. you can tell you look at that. The winner of OU Texas, maybe you can say they're back in it. But um, right now, Iowa State looks really good. David, uh, just uh, I know you, you disagree with that, but speaking of uh, Iowa State, they've got a very senior quarterback in uh, Brock Purdy. With his experience, he had a two-yard touchdown to tie it 30-all. Uh, in that game, I guess, what have you seen from him? And I guess just your thoughts as to 
if you thought Iowa State played well or Oklahoma just didn't play very well against the old Cyclones? Well, I think it's, it kind of goes back to Matt Campbell. Uh, he knows how to play that Oklahoma offense just like any other air raid offense. I think it's the discipline of one team and the lack of discipline on the other side. Uh, Brock Purdy is a frustrating quarterback. I mean, I know that Oklahoma got a, uh, what, a strip uh, sack fumble on him or hit him and he fumbled the ball away. But he's a, he seems to be one of the more elusive, annoying guys in the pocket. He, he knows when to run. He knows to get away from uh, pressure. So that that's something to, that will frustrate Red Raider fans. I'm sure it's done it in the past, and it probably will do it again on Saturday. But more than anything, you just hope that uh, the Red Raiders can get more pressure on him or contain him better than maybe Oklahoma or most teams have been able to do in his career there. And it's funny for as much as people are talking about the un- inability for Texas Tech to not hold leads, Oklahoma couldn't protect a 21-point third-quarter lead against Kansas State a couple weeks ago. So I think uh, this isn't just a problem for Texas Tech that they're trying to figure out. I think it's a problem everyone's trying to figure out at this point. I think, uh, as I asked Matt Wells, if he felt like his team had an identity three games into the season, he said no. People are still trying to figure it out all, all around the country. And I think that's the the thing that – is going to be a little bit of a pain point for some coaches is that you go from non-conference, you go to conference, and it's not like you have those quote-unquote three games to figure yourself out now. You have to figure yourself out that first, second, or now third game, and now if you haven't figured it out, you're now 0-2, and you're trying to figure out how to get out of the cellar of your conference, which is what Texas Tech and Oklahoma are looking to do. And Texas Tech obviously going to hope to start that journey this weekend as they take on Iowa State and Ames. Uh, a, a place where, and I'm sure you've kind of watched this uh, maybe firsthand, David, but a place where Texas Tech doesn't play too too well. No, no, not even Patrick Mahomes, right? I mean, no. it's been a struggle bus for for uh, the Red Raiders for many years, going back to Seneca Wallace days. It's just for whatever reason, uh, I know the crowd has always been something that's been a problem there, not necessarily be the case this year, but uh, – I mean, I think it helps that they just got one under their belt, though. I mean, I know that's that's easy to say, but mm-hmm. uh, I, I would much rather uh, have a little experience and go there right away against that. That I, We keep on going back to discipline, but that might be the case, what you said in this weird time where everybody doesn't know anything. I, I think when you have that stability at the head coaching position, it makes, a, makes you a lot better. You say that. I know Lincoln Riley struggled, but uh, – I think it's a little different Lincoln Riley situation compared to Chris Kleiman and, and what Matt Campbell has done. Mm-hmm. Ryan, with about four minutes left, uh, what are some takeaways or what are some X factors or what are some matchups you would be looking forward to this week to see if Texas Tech is in a position to win when they play? And I really want to see – this is my own curiosity just with the local kid. I want to see if Xavier White can become like – he's not going to be the number one. Like, Sarajic going to be the guy. But can he get like – 10 touches a game or more like that, like that would really add in something different than just Sir Roger. I'm not saying that's the X factor. Uh, I'm just, I would really like to see if he becomes a, not a focal point, but a real piece of this offense. Get out of here. The X factor. The X factor. There you go. Yeah. The the X factor. Yeah. With him. Uh, But to me, it's, it's going to be, we don't know if Columbia plays, uh, it's going to be how, how he plays in this game because if he's if they click like they were once he came in the game and they start scoring, then they're going to have at least have a really good chance of winning this game. 
I think we know what the defense is going to bring. Iowa State's going to score. Brock Purdy's going to look good. Brees Hall's going to run for a lot of yards. Sure, yeah, if the defense can hold Brees Hall to 50 yards rushing, then they're, uh, then Tech will win the game. But I don't think that's a realistic X factor. Not to hop on board with what he said. I know we got to go quickly here. But I think the Red Raiders are going to have to show they can run the football just the way yep. that Iowa State has played against past teams that last year they were able to run for 160 plus against them mm-hmm. if Sir Roderick and and even Columbia if he p- does start remember if he can run some too that I think that's going to help the offense out immensely and the defense is going to have to stop Hall that that's where it starts also well, uh, well, well Charlie mentioned that David and I'm sorry to interrupt you Ryan because it seems like every time we talk to the coordinators or Matt Wells Iowa State week that cloud defense is always mentioned and one way to get out of that cloud defense you run the football because then that makes them creep back a little up. And if they're able to do that, which Roderick Thompson has shown he can, Xavier White certainly showed he can, that could certainly put him in a good position to win. Go ahead, Ryan, we'll finish off with you. Uh, also, Charlie Kolar might be the best tight end in the country. So if they play action with him, good luck. They fake it to Brees Hall uh, in the red zone with him. Like, it is an absolute nightmare. Where did he go to high school? Man, I, I don't know. Probably, probably somewhere probably around Norman. Oh, Yeah. Yeah, you would assume yeah. somewhere in Iowa, right, going to Iowa State. George Kittle, too. Where did he go to yeah, high school? I know. Man, it sounds like Norman produces tight ends, maybe. Yeah, I don't know. So you're saying Oklahoma has some pretty good talent there. That's what you're saying right there. Apparently tight ends. Norman. Norman tight ends, apparently. <laughs> well, we've also got some good local talent. I appreciate you, Ryan King, the QWK uh, Sports Director, for joining us. You can follow him on Twitter at Ryan underscore King underscore now. And then, of course, you can also watch him on TV. I'm sure he'll show up at 6 or whatever time he does, or he'll correct me right now. I apologize. if I Not tonight. No 6 o'clock today, but in general, 6 and 10, yes. Yeah, 6 and 10, thank you. Today is Monday. It's his day off. The, the one time he gets a day off, I never get a day off. It's, it's not an off day. It's uh, the Chiefs. Chiefs. The Chiefs, Chiefs game, game on, on KLBK tonight at 6. Watch it. Enjoy it. Yes, there you go. And then, of course, there's David Collier, who you just heard right there, at Collier on TV. Follow him on Twitter, and then, of course, you can watch him on KMAC and Red Raider Nation. He's the sports director, Emmy-nominated reporter, Heisman voter. Uh, I only got that because that's on your Twitter account. So, um, again, appreciate both of you sharing your thoughts and opinions. We do this every week on the Red Raider podcast. Don't forget to follow us on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, everywhere else that you can Get your social, uh, I guess, social stuff going on. If you don't want to do social, you can also go to the print product, that being the Lubbock Avalanche Journal every day. Don't forget to pick that up or go to LubbockOnline.com and get all that information as well. Appreciate y'all listening. I'm Carlos Silva from the Lubbock Avalanche Journal. For Ryan King and David Collier, we'll talk to you next week.